0: Hello and welcome, Repraise Share family. Thank you for joining us for another Repraise Share podcast. Today's episode comes from a Bible study lesson led by Jorian Wilson from the Book of Genesis, chapter two, verses eighteen. We pray that it blesses you in totality. Enjoy. Such a good discussion, and one thing that came to mind when people were talking about obedience is like you know, when we choose to disobey, we choose disobedience, but at what cost? And sometimes we get confused. We think that, you know, the cost is always like something big, like you, you may get a disease or you may get, you know, lose your job or something like that. But sometimes the cost is just like, for me, if the Holy Spirit told me to do something, I don't do it. I go on about my business, but the Holy Spirit is convicting me while I'm trying to enjoy the rest of my day. He like, why you didn't go back and talk to that man why you didn't tell him about me why you didn't pray for that person that you were supposed to pray for so just think about that disobedience at what cost all right so today i'm pretty geared up i'm excited about today's lesson and for those who are note takers i hope you are geared up because it'll be a quick lesson but uh it's really bullet pointed today um and so i hope we can i can give this lesson and we have a great dialogue about it um following and so throughout the month of February, we have discussed topics around love, right? So Kara kicked us off the first uh, week of the month, and she was talking about what is love. She gave us a a sermon just defining what love is and what that looks like. And then Sean followed up with, you know, discussing sex and the tie that it creates between two individuals. And then last week, Sean talked about, you know, repentance, how it's important for us to repent and turn from our old ways. And so today, I hope that we can discuss a relationship that encapsulates all three of those previous topics. This unique relationship is marriage. And so I know that some of you are married, some of you may be engaged, but not all of you are married. And um, sometimes when we hear a topic about marriage and we're not married, we have uh, a tendency to maybe tune out what's being said because we feel like it doesn't apply to us. However, I wanna caution you and just say that, you know, whether you're married or not, if you're aspiring to be married, this is going to be a good lesson for you because you don't get ready for marriage at the altar when you say, I do. You Everything that we're doing leading up to that point is preparing us for marriage, right? We're building habits that are preparing us to be married. And so I hope that you will take this lesson and just learn and grow with us and um, be open to the dialogue. All right. So before we talk about the purpose of marriage, let's first discuss what marriage is exactly. Um, And so marriage is a covenant between a man and a woman. And a covenant is an agreement without clause. And when I say this, what I mean is, we've all uh, been signed contracts perhaps that have clauses in it. For example, when you get ready to go rent an apartment, you sign a lot of paperwork that identifies your responsibilities as being a leaser of that apartment. And in there, there's clauses that say if you break this agreement or if you do this, if you bring a pet on site and you know it's not allowed, then that's term. those are grounds for terminating the. uh, The agreement to terminate the contract make it void right, however marriage is not intended to be this way contrary to popular opinion and cultural norms marriage is intended to be a covenant, which is an agreement without clause. Uh, Let's consider, you know, the wedding vows, for example. When people go to the altar, uh, this is just an example. It sounds something like this, I, Jorian, take you destiny to be my wife, to hold from this day forward, for better or for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, to love and cherish till death do us part, according to God's holy law, and in the presence of God, I make this vow. So when people say their vows, they don't have any any clause that they don't say, I promise to love you, to cherish you, to death do us part, unless you start doing stuff I don't like, or unless X, Y, or Z, right? And if you ever go to a wedding and you hear somebody say something like that, then that marriage may be set up to fail because that person's already, already thinking about ways to, to get out of it. Likewise, if somebody comes to you with that commitment and say, hey, I, I vow to be with you forever, Just as long as you, you know, you cook every Tuesday, my favorite meal or something like that. Right. You know, those aren't. That's not what marriage is about. It's about sticking it through through good and bad. Uh, These are solemn words that people commit to themselves and they do it in front of God. Furthermore, we know that God is a God of covenant. How do we know this? We know this because God had a covenant with Noah. He He created this covenant that said he would never flood or destroy the earth with water again. God made a covenant with Abraham. He promised Abraham that he would bless him and make him into a great nation. God made a covenant with David that he would give him an heir and establish his throne and kingdom forever. So we see that God is a God of covenant and he has given marriage as a covenant between two people in the the presence of God. So now that we understand what marriage is, Now let's dive into the meat of today's lesson, which is the purpose of marriage. So the first purpose I want to talk about, and I just want to give this disclaimer that this is not an exhaustive list. This is just things that came to me as I was studying and preparing for this lesson today. So the first purpose of marriage is companionship. We see in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, it says, Then the Lord God said, It is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. God said it's not good for man to be alone. He gives Adam a helper, someone who is a companion. The next scripture I want to share is Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9, and it reads, Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But... Someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm. But how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple-braided cord is not easily broken. And this third person in the relationship should be God, obviously, right? But what I wanna highlight about companionship is that God intended marriage to give us a companion, someone to help us, to strengthen us and encourage us in our Christ-like walk, right? Because like the scripture says, two are better than one. And so this companionship is for our benefit. Also, before I move on, I just want to say that your companion is a helper. Some people get, you know, the the relationship mixed up. So I want to, I want to be clear. It's a helper. It's not, you know, you're not, lording over your wife or you're not lording over your husband you all are equals which we'll talk a little bit about more later so first one is companionship secondly god establishes marriage in order to populate the earth genesis says genesis chapter 1 verse 27 through 28 so god created human beings in his own image in the image of god he created them male and female he created them then God blessed him and said, be fruitful and multiply. And I don't have to go into the details of multiplication. We know how we multiply, right? You know, through sex. And so what I want to emphasize here is that we just need to ensure that we are multiplying within the container that God has intended it for, which is marriage. So the third one is enjoyment. Contrary to what Culture will tell you marriage should not be the old ball and chain, or you shouldn't be feeling like you are shackled, but marriage is for your enjoyment. Proverbs eighteen twenty two says, he who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. Your spouse or future spouse is a good thing, and when you find that person, that is an indication that you have found favor with the Lord. That is one way that God shows us favor by blessing us with the spouse he has for us. Proverbs 31 verse 10 through 12 says, who can find a virtuous and capable wife? She is more precious than rubies. Her husband can trust her and she will greatly enrich his life. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. And I love this scripture because it just talks about the, ver- the value of finding a virtuous wife or a great spouse, a virtuous spouse. You know, it says that you can trust that person. They will enrich your life. They bring you good and not harm all the days of your life. Another scripture is Proverbs chapter 5, verse 18 through 19. It says, let your wife be a fountain of blessing for you. Rejoice in the wife of your youth. She is a loving deer, a graceful doe. Let her breasts satisfy you always. May you always be captivated by her love. And so I just shared these scriptures just to remind you that marriage is for enjoyment. I'm not saying that marriage will always be good or you'll always be happy or you know, have that giddy feeling that you are in love, but that's not the case with any relationship. And if it is, you've probably just been in that relationship for a week or two. Every relationship is going to have conflict, but you have to be willing to stick out the conflict and have conflict resolution. And so the last thing I wanna talk about today in regards to purpose is the most important thing. Marriage is intended to bring glory to God. How do we know this? We know this because Colossians chapter 1, verse 16 says, all things were created by him and for him. This includes our marriage. Another scripture, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31 says, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. And then the last scripture I wanna share is that Matthew chapter five, verse 14. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your father in heaven. Our relationships with our spouses or future spouses are intended to bring glory to God. By the way, we, we love each other and also by the example that it shows to the world. When people see that relationship, they should be encouraged, they should have hope. I know the world says this, that marriages fail, but there is hope that I see these Christian believers whose marriage is lasting, who love each other, who are being kind to each other. That's the way that we should strive to carry out our marriages. And so since glorifying God through marriage is the most important piece and purpose of marriage, how do we glorify God in marriage? I wanna say again, that this is not an exhaustive list. These are just a couple of points. And so firstly, we can glorify God in our marriage by remaining faithful to one another. Exodus 20, 14 says, you shall not commit adultery. This is one of the 10 commandments, you know, a very basic baseline truth. Hebrews chapter 13, verse four says, marriage should be honored by all and the marriage bed kept pure for God will judge the adulterer and the sexually immoral. So we know that one way we honor God is through being faithful to our partner. And like I said earlier, even if you aren't married, this is an important piece because like Ru was saying, you know, if you are out here saying you are dating somebody, but you sliding into three other people's DMs or you know, having a little side piece conversation on the side, you aren't preparing yourself mentally, physically, or emotionally to have that faithful relationship when you get married. You know, the, the habits that we have, there's no switch once you get married that all of a sudden, you don't have those bad habits anymore. Now is the time that we have to prune ourselves to develop ourselves, to be ready for that relationship. So the second way we can honor God in our marriage is remaining married. Mark 10, verse, Mark chapter 10, verse nine says, therefore, when God has joined together, let no one separate. Malachi 2.16 says, for I hate divorce, says the Lord the God of Israel. To divorce your wife is to overwhelm her with cruelty, says the Lord of heaven's armies. So guard your heart. Do not be unfaithful to your wife. And so one thing I want to add to this is we glorify God by remaining married. However, in the Bible, there's only two times that God gives or the Bible gives an okay for divorce. That is if your spouse is unfaithful or if you are married to someone who is an unbeliever and they abandon the relationship. So you can do further study on that but those are the only two times that god really okays a divorce and yet he still hates it regardless but he says it's okay at that point and so the next way we glorify god in our marriage is being fruitful and multiplying we talked about this earlier but i wanted to highlight being fruitful and multiplying is not about just making sure that the earth goes without people right as we are being fruitful and multiplying We are also, or we should be, developing Christians. The Bible talks about training up a child in the way that they should go so that when they are old, they will not depart from it. So as we are believers, having children multiplying as God has instructed us to, we should be training our children who are going to be future leaders, right? And so the next thing, how we glorify God in our marriage is by loving each other. John 13:35 says, "Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples." Like I shared earlier, Carrie the first week explained to us what love is. She let us know that love is a choice. It's a decision. It's not just the um, emotional excitement that you feel, but true love, the tough love, the love that gets you and sustains relationships, is a choice. You know, though we may feel butterflies and giddy towards the people that we love, you know, that's a good feeling and that's exciting. You know, that true love is going to be choosing to love that person, even when it's not easy, even when you don't like them. And even when they work your nerves. It's going to be hard, but we know that that's the way love is supposed to be carried out. And we know this because Jesus demonstrates that for us. Romans chapter five, verse eight says, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. If you recall a few weeks ago, we talked about Jesus' death on the cross and you know that Jesus emotionally had no desire to go and die and suffer on the cross. You know, that wasn't really, you know, in his, I guess, if he had a bucket list, that wouldn't have been on his bucket list dying on the cross, right? It wasn't a pleasurable experience, but because he loved us so much, he chose to do that. And we know that in our marriage that we have to love each other, even when it's tough, even when it's hard. That's why the vows say for good and for bad, for richer, for poor, for better or worse, till death do us part, because of course you want the good and you enjoy the good, but you also have to endure the tough times as well. And the last thing we do to glorify god in our marriage is we glorify him through submission and so i'm looking at ephesians five for this piece and i'm reading ephesians chapter five verses 21 through 33 and it says further submit to one another out of reverence for christ for wives this means submit to your husbands as the to the lord for a husband is the head of his wife christ as christ is the head of the church he is the savior of his body the church As the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands in everything. For husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. In the same way, is an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. So again, I say each man must love his wife as he loves himself and the wife must respect her husband. And so I love this passage because it's really just um, comparing marriage to Christ's relationship with the church. It says that the wife should submit to the husband and and that the husband should give up his life the way Christ gave up his life for the church. It says plainly that wives should submit to their husbands because the husband is the head of the wife. However, it also states that husbands should love their wives as Christ did the church, sacrificing their lives for their wife. Christ gave up his life for the church and likewise husbands, we must do the same for our, our wives. This is how the submission from our wives works. Our wives are able to submit or wives women feel more comfortable submitting when a husband is led by Christ when he has already submitted his life to Christ. Sometimes we get hung up on the women are supposed to submit to us men right, but we neglect the part where we have a greater responsibility to give up our lives, the way Christ did for the church. And that's a huge sacrifice, that's a daily commitment, a daily sacrifice that has to be made in order for this dynamic to work. First Peter chapter three says, first Peter chapter three, verse seven says, in the same way, you husbands must give honor to your wives. Treat your wife with understanding as you live together. She may be weaker than you are, but she is your equal. I want to emphasize that she is your equal partner in God's gift of new life. Treat her as you should so your prayers will not be hindered. And I just love that and I emphasize it there because it says that your wife is your equal. Yes, the husband may be the leader of the wife of the family. However, she is your equal and she should be treated as such. So... In conclusion, as I close out today, I just want to kind of recap what we talked about, right? We talked about what marriage is, that it's a covenant, not a contract. We discussed that, we discussed the four purposes of marriage, and we discussed how we bring glory to God in marriage. If you are married or engaged, I hope that this will give you an opportunity to kind of reevaluate that relationship. How are you aligning with you know, the way God has called us, the purpose that he has called us to live in, in marriage. And if you are not married yet, but aspiring to be a husband or a wife, I hope you will use this lesson uh, to better understand God's design for marriage. What it is that you actually are designed, what you will be committing to, and that you will begin to prepare yourself mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, to be able to take that step and be successful in that area. And so as I conclude, I just want you to I want to ask a few questions and give you, you know, something to think about, something to marinate on because we are talking about marriage today. So the first question is are you dating to marry or are you dating for fun? As we are dating individuals, we should be considering whether this person is a wifey material, a husband material, as we would say. If not and you're just dating for fun, I mean, you're wasting your time. I mean, that's your your own individual choice, but the person that you are spending time with, investing into, you should see some type of qualities in them that say that, hey, this could be my wife, this could be my husband. Otherwise you are wasting time. The second question is, are you preparing yourself to be a good wife or a good husband? We are very familiar with the Proverbs 31 woman and how it describes what a virtuous woman is. But are you working to be that modern day virtuous woman? We always talk about the scripture, he who finds a wife finds a good thing, right? But women, are you being that good thing? Also men, as you are aspiring to be husbands and good husbands, are you submitted to Christ or are you submitted to your flesh? Have you only submitted? I mean, you can't really halfway submit, but have you halfway committed to? You can't halfway commit. Are you committed or are you not committed and submitted to Christ? It's really simple. It's kind of like you can't be halfway something. You can only be fully committed or you can be fully submitted. Are you being faithful in the relationship that you are in right now. It's important for us to understand, like I said before, that if you aren't married, you are preparing for that relationship if that's something you desire and if that's something that God has for you. So are you taking the necessary steps, building the right habits to prepare yourself to be a godly spouse. I just wanna emphasize this again, because I've been married four years and I've learned this the hard way. So I'm speaking from experience that when you're married, it's important to be prepared for that step. And now is your time to be prepared and to prepare yourself. There's no magic switch that flips that all of a sudden you become the godly spouse that we've discussed today. And are you exemplifying that first Corinthians 13 type of love in whatever relationship you're in, whether it be a dating, whether you're married or whether it's just your friends, are you being patient? Are you exemplifying kindness? Do you have envy? Are you boastful? Are you, proud? Are you dishonoring people? Are you self-seeking? These are the things that we should be mindful of as we are building this relationship. And above all, men and women, it's important that we understand If we are submitted to Christ or not. Remember that we cannot be halfway submitted. We either are or we aren't. We can't do a percentage we can't be 80% in and 20% out. We have to be all in. So that's just the questions I hope that you will consider. Um, I know that was a lot and it was pretty quick. But I hope that you took some some good notes from this. And um, that's all I really had to share and I'll turn it back over to Sean for um, whatever else he wants to do so he can open up the floor for discussion. Once again, we just want to thank you guys for tuning in to another Read, Pray, Share podcast episode. We hope and pray that it was a blessing in totality. Make sure that you follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Read, Pray, Share. And until the next time, continue to do like we always say, and that's read, pray, and share.